0: Good morning, Winston-Berry. It is great to be with you guys this morning. My name is Corey. Uh, For those who uh, haven't uh, met us before, it's good to see some familiar faces and some some new faces as well. Katie and the boys will be here uh, for the coffee hour, so they're coming a little bit later. We didn't want to have our four-year-old boys uh, sit through two times of me saying this, so they're (laughs) back at the house. They're coming. Um, our girls, as we said, are um, uh, in Senegal at boarding school. So they're actually in Senegal right now at boarding school. We're here to push forward the paperwork for the boys' adoption, and hopefully, this will be the last phase of that. Pray with us uh, to that end. Um, it is a great privilege to be here, especially at this moment during Missions Week, uh, talking about uh, good works and good words. Uh, and also during this time that you guys are thinking about shalom and being pockets of shalom where you guys are. um, As Andre was sending me the materials and what you guys are thinking through, it was really exciting to me and it's been a a very fruitful time thinking through the connections between mm, what you guys are doing here and what we're doing there and the the common foundation underneath them. And so that's what I want to talk with you guys uh, this morning about, not necessarily what we're doing, but what's behind it, what's underneath it, and how that is the same for you guys. Now, as you guys are thinking about this Pockets of Shalom thing and thinking, how is that going to work out for us here, you might be very excited about seeing what that uh, brings uh, into your lives. Uh, You might be wondering to yourselves, on the other hand, how is that going to work in Bloomfield, you also might be wondering, uh, good works and uh, good words. Um, I don't have any expertise in uh, these kind of works. I don't have a background in public health. I don't have a background in in, in, in community development. Well, how am I going to do this? I don't have a background in uh, gospel words. I haven't been submitted. You might be thinking, what is my part in this? Uh, you also might be wondering how you're going to do some new program when you're already uh, out every night as it is. When your your schedule is already packed, you might be wondering how you're going to bring shalom to other people when you don't have shalom in your own home, in your own um, family, in your marriage, or in your own heart. So, what I have for you this morning is good news. Uh, Jesus has good news for you. We're in Matthew five, starting at the first fourteen. We're in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And when you think of the Sermon on the Mount, you're thinking of a place where Jesus is describing what kingdom people are like. In other words, what Jesus is making us into. And so uh, as we look at this, um, we shouldn't see uh, a to-do list or something that we need to uh, kind of feel bad that we're not farther on already. But something that we are really excited that Jesus is working in us. So I'm in Matthew 5. I'm starting with verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. But they put it on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The good news is that Jesus is telling you here, you are already commissioned to bring shalom through the light of our presence in the world. So we want to look through in this passage this morning is the gift of the commission, the content of the commission, and the goal of the commission. Now, if we're talking about the gift of the commission, why are we talking about the gift of the commission? Now, we've already talked about how, in the Sermon on the Mount, this is what Jesus is making us into. So we're talking about grace. We're talking about something Jesus is doing in our midst. If you hear you're the light of the world, you might think to yourself, well, that that sounds familiar. Well, we've heard that before. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Now, how is Jesus the light of the world, and we're the light of the world? Well, Jesus is in us, and Jesus is shining through us to be the light of the world, okay? So, uh, number one thing we want to start off with, this is a gift, you're the light of the world is not a to-do list it's not something that jesus is saying and and i want to see some results by the time uh next friday rolls around this is something that he's giving to us it's a gift now um it, it is a commission so uh, let's go to the next slide should i just say i'll just say next slide i guess so uh we're talking about the commission uh, which is where he is working through us so we're, he is enabling. Right? He's in us. He's the light of the world. We're the light of the world. He's enabling. He's working along with us. He's rolled up his sleeves and he's right alongside us, pushing with us. He's not looking at us, uh, looking at us, saying, um, "Why aren't you? Why aren't you doing more?" Whoa, whoa. No, he's right with us. So he's working along with us in co-mission. He's working together with us. Uh, the other piece of it is commission. So a commission is what? It's a job that somebody gives you, but this. Commission is a gift. Now, do you, if, Many of you guys probably saw Infinity War, the last Avengers film, right? So in there, the, t- Tony Stark is the team leader, and he turns to Peter Parker at a certain point, and he says, okay, kid, you're an Avenger now. Now, what's the expression that's on Peter Parker's face when he gets this commission? Is it like, oh, man, now I have to wash the dishes? Uh, is it I, you're, I have to mow the lawn? No, he's excited. He's being liberated to do what he wanted to do all along. He's being set free to, 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 to work. To, he's, been, he's been set free to make a difference. When we get this commission, you are the light of the world. You're knighted. You're liberated. You're, you, you are set free to make a difference. Uh, when I became the team leader in Kaffreen... It set me free to do things that I had never been, uh, you know, I'd never felt free to do before. When they said, okay, this is your team, and now their well-being is on you. you. You need to go look after these people. I was set free to speak into people's lives like never before. Not as a burden, but yes, I get to do this. So it's a commission. We're working alongside God, but it's also a commission. It's a, a wonderful job that he's given to us. If nobody's ever said this to you before, hear it now. You are empowered to act on behalf of God and bring shalom into the world. You're all Avengers now. (laughs) If you are in Christ, this is something you already are. What we're doing right now, naming it and describing it, is simply letting you in on this. It's not something that... hmm. It's, it's not something, it's a new job, it's a new checklist, it's a new program To you're already in. So we're commissioned to do co-mission, work with God in the world. God enables us to do this and that is the gift of the commission. Now what's the content of the commission? So in this passage we have three main uh, figures. We have the light of the world, we have the city on the hill, and we have the light on the lampstand. So what I want to do is look at each one of these. Now in the in your Bible study if you see a phrase like a metaphor like you're the light of the world um, go to the next slide so if you if you're doing a Bible study you see this one one of these great metaphors you're the light of, like you're the light of the world you might ask yourself what's the Old Testament context for this where is it coming from what can we draw from the Old Testament to reveal what Jesus is getting at here so that's what I did and I went to the Old Testament the light of the so you might be surprised to know that the light of the world does not appear in the Old Testament. Light of the nations appears in the New Testament. So you're looking at that, and you're thinking to yourself, light of the nations, light of the world. Now the word in Greek behind world, what Jesus says, is cosmos. That's where we get our word English, cosmos. So you're talking about Every layer of the created order. You're talking about spiritual. You're talking about the real. that We can see the physical, I should say. Not the real, but the physical. You're talking about every dimension of creation. So you're talking about uh, the environment. You're talking about human beings. So you see this vast expansion, go to the next slide, of our mission. So the missional aspect is still here. We're still supposed to show what um, God's people are like in the world. But we're also expanded this to this huge, huge uh, mission. So arts, science, religion, everything is in there. As you think through this expansion, as you, as you think about the difference between the light of the nations and light of the cosmos, light of the world, that should recall something to you, Eden. In Eden, Adam and Eve are commissioned to fill the earth and subdue it, to manage it, to bring it under the lordship of God. Now, in the Old Testament, it seems like there's a, we're really focusing on getting that to other people. But now in the New Testament, Jesus is opening it up again in a huge way to be the light of the world. Um, I just want to give you one example of this. Uh, go to the next slide. Interesting article, many of you may have read it in 2014, Christiana Christianity Today article, and there was a researcher who was trying to find out why certain countries in Africa have greater levels of democracy, have lower levels of poverty, and uh, lower levels of sickness, and what the difference is. Many times you're talking about places that are very similar in other ways, but they have these huge differences. And Controlling for a lot of different factors, he found that the difference is the presence of Protestant missionaries in the 19th century. Areas where Protestant missionaries had a significant presence in the past are on average more economically developed today with comparatively better health, lower infant mortality, lower corruption, greater literacy, higher educational attainment, especially for women, and more robust membership in non-governmental organizations. So, it, the, the link is to the article. I encourage you to read it. What's the, what's the, what am I trying to say here? As the light of the world... We come in thinking we're going to do, okay, we're going to share the gospel, great. But as we see what's going on, this is not the way it's supposed to be. They start doing work in other areas. They say, this, uh, people aren't supposed to be doing these kind of things to each other. And they get involved there. We're not supposed to be burning people uh, when their husbands die. We're not supposed to be doing different kinds of things that are, are, are not uh, the way that God wants us to live. And so as they, get, they see what Jesus wants to have happen in the world, they get involved and they change society. This is what we're talking about. So to be the light of the world is to live out the shalom of God in every arena, every realm of the cosmos. What else can we see here? City on a hill. If you're talking about a city on a hill, you're talking about hiding a city on a hill, how and why would you hide a city on a hill? So we're talking about light and the other metaphors. So I think we're talking about a city on the hill at night. So how and why would you hide a city on a hill at night? During World War II, bombers are going over London. What do they do to hide the cities? They turn off all the lights. Now, the reason that they turn off the, 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 the lights was so they would not be attacked. If we, as Christians, turn off our light we are less likely to be attacked. But we sacrifice the very thing that God's put us here for. Now, there are certain streams of Christianity that do that. They say, well, we're going to be in here. You guys are going to be out there. And as long as you guys don't come in here, we're just going to stay here. And we're not going to bother you. As long as you don't bother us. That's not what we're called to be. We're called to be engaged. To be an open, vibrant City, welcoming people in. Next slide. Good. When we turn off the lights, we can't be who we were meant to be. It is safer; we're less likely to be attacked, but we're not, we're not fulfilling the very purpose that we're there for. Second thing is to be a refuge. We have friends who work in Guinea and. Uh, One time they were telling us a story, they didn't get over the uh, border in time, and the the border closed down, and so they couldn't go across. And so they had to camp out on the Senegal side of the border uh, overnight. And in that area, it's the border area, there's a lot of bandits, and so they had to camp out, but they couldn't light any lights. They would have loved to have a city on a hill lit up. We're we're in danger, we need to go to the city on a hill. They would have loved that. We, as Christians, are to be a city on a hill in the sense of we are a refuge. We're a place where people can come and have protection. They can have safety, have their, have their needs fulfilled. We're talking about gospel works here. We, we're a place where people can receive the care that they need. A place where people can come for friendship and community and care. Cities are also dependable. You guys know there's boom towns in the Old West. You know, there was maybe gold. They found something sprung up overnight, and then all of a sudden it's gone. That's not a dependable city. You need to be able to know, if I go there, I'm going to find these people there, faithful. I'm going to find these people uh, faithful in pursuing incremental change for individuals and communities over a very long period of time. City on a hill, it's a, it's, it's an engaged city. It's not turning off the lights. It's a refuge, and it's also dependable. So. Now, let's go on to the third one, which is the light on the, uh, the lampstand. Jesus says in verse 15, people don't light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to the whole house. So there's some overlaps here because we're talking about light, but what is different? A city on a hill is attractive. It's calling people in. A light on a lampstand is shining outwards. In Senegal, we have a lot of power outages, and we have these great solar lamps. You put them outside during the daytime. They charge up. You bring them in at night power goes off, you can switch on the solar lamp. And if you put it high on a bookshelf, everybody can see what they're doing. So with us, we're sitting on the hill We're we're calling people in. But we're also a light on the lamps and We're shining out. Even people who aren't coming in to us to get what they need, we need to be going out to them. We're blessed to be a blessing and go out. And even people who aren't necessarily that interested, to get out there and, and show them what's really going on. What life was supposed to be like. How we're supposed to really live. We're reaching out to communities, we're active and going out. God is using us to be a light in dark places. So we see next slide that to be sorry, I missed one. Next one after that. So to be the light of the world is to live out shalom in every area of the cosmos to be engaged, a refuge, a faithful presence, one that draws others in as well as blesses those who are outside or are not yet interested. So that's the gift of the commission and the content of the commission. What's the goal of the commission? Verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Point is, we are the light so God gets the glory. So the first thing to notice here is that we're not just doing good works. We're also doing good words. We're proclaiming who he is. We can't just think, well, people are going to see all the nice things that we're doing for other people, and they're going to know, well, Jesus is the reason behind this. No, we need to actually say Jesus is the reason. So proclamation is not uh, kind of a, a, a part of it. We can say, well, we don't really need that. We need to do good works and say good words. When our works and our words match up, that's integrity. I don't need to tell you about the places in our lives and our world, and our churches even, where our works and our words are not matching up. When people see that we don't have integrity, it makes us a laughing stock. When people see that our works and our words match up, it's integrity. And people respond to that. Now, one other thing that we need to talk about is that the goal is God's glory, not yours. So it could be that after you go through this whole shalom thing and you start whatever happens at the end of that, after the sacred assembly, whatever God's... It might be that the heart Current does not do any stories about it. <laughs> um, it might be that Christianity today does not come knocking. That's all right. The headlines are not important. To change lives are... The faithful presence, the shining out, the welcoming people in—that's what's important. Now, when you talk about not getting the glory, we have to say that sometimes being the light of the world can make you look pretty stupid. Okay, so Jesus looked very stupid on the on the cross. I didn't see it, but uh, you just read it. He looks pretty stupid. He looks really dumb. But that humiliating moment led to the most glorious reality, the most glorious outcome ever. So having it be about God's glory and not yours might, be, might mean that you go through some suffering. That's all right. Now, go to the next slide. Shalom is a verb. You guys have, I think, talked about it in previous sermons. It means putting things back together. It means repairing the cracks. Now, that's a process. So we talk about shaloming. There's a lot of steps. It's a lot of progress. It's a lot of in-between time as we are shaloming. Now, it's a part of the process, like infancy is a part of adulthood. We got to go through it. Now, our, our boys, we adopted. They've gone through a lot of loss. So this is an example of what I'm talking about. They've gone through a lot of loss. They've lost their biological parents and their biological extended family. We've taken them from Guinea, which is where they were born and, and moved them to Senegal, and we're in the process of making them American. So there's a lot of loss there. Um, is there some beauty in that? Yes, there is. But there's also a lot of loss and pain and separation. and. But But what if we hadn't? adopted them. They grew up without any family. They were already missing their biological families. So the point is, there's an in-between time of difficulty. So going through difficulty doesn't mean that you're not in the process of creating shalom. You're shaloming. It's a process. There's some in-between parts. You don't get to shalom without going through the muck. Paul says, I'm paraphrasing, I rejoice that I get to be a part of doing the work of shaloming that Christ is doing, even though it means suffering alongside him. Shalom can not only coexist with, but be an integral part of your suffering, your imperfection, your brokenness, and your failure. This is the key point that I want you guys to take away. When I hear about you guys talking about pockets of shalom, my main fear is that you guys are going to think, okay, well, when we get it all together, when we stop fighting in our home, when we are having daily Bible study, uh, when I'm doing Bible study with the kids every day, or uh, now we can go out. No. No. Can we admit that we are not going to have it all together this side of heaven? If we can, we can repent, we can reconcile, and we can keep working, keep shaloming. God's glory, not yours. So Shalom people is not you being perfect but shalom is peace peace comes when you accept what Jesus has done for you and he is the solution when when you get to that point now you have shalom shalom is not getting your act together and people seeing how perfect your family is and now they're going to be attracted to the lord please people don't do that to yourselves Shalom is finding your rest in Jesus. Exhibiting shalom is not, despite our brokenness. It is because we can admit that we are broken, we're imperfect, that we're imperfect, that we can exhibit God's shalom because we're pointing to Him now. You see what I'm saying? We're pointing to Him. He's getting the glory. Have you ever noticed how hard it is in this world for to hear somebody say, "I'm sorry," to hear somebody, "I was wrong." I say about that. If we can say. I don't have it all together. Now we're getting somewhere. Now we can point to God. So I hope, next slide, that we are are able now to put together the light of showing what Shalom is, the good works and the good words that we've been talking about. You are called not just to good works, not just to good words, but announcing and effecting God's lordship over every area of creation. When you see a need, you're the answer. Not alone, together. But with Jesus in you as the light of the world, you can now be the light of the world. We're working together with God. We're set free to minister. We're the light of the world in every area of the cosmos, engaged, welcoming, dependable, present over the long haul with people, a blessing that flows out and calls people in, keeping in, the mo- in mind the, uh, the, the end goal, which is that God would be glorified. People, Moses did not part the Red Sea, okay? God did that. Um, Samuel did not just know Man, this David guy, there's something about him. God did that. When God moves in a new way at Wintonbury, and when he keeps moving in the ways that he has faithfully moved at Wintonbury over these years, you can be sure that it's not because you finally got it all together and did something right for a change. It will be him... Being faithful to his commitment. Being faithful to the love that he has for the world. Faithful to his commitment to bring himself glory. To show everybody how glorified how glorifiable he is, how how wonderful he is. He who called you to this is faithful, and he will do it. Thank you.